Mr. Speaker. Radio 191 FM, it is 22 minutes to 9 o'clock and it's time for politics. As you just heard, joining me in the studio is John and on the phone from Wellington is Sarah. Are you there, Sarah? Morena, yes. Kia ora, wonderful. I'm so glad we were able to hold on to you this time. (laughs) (laughs) No worries, I haven't cut a float yet. No, not yet. That's good. Uh, Seen the the whale in Wellington, just to remain topical? Uh, I have stood on the waterfront for hours looking for it. I I feel a bit pissed off because I lived in Wellington for six years and I spent literally thousands of hours staring at that harbour. No Wellington. No whales, rather. Well, the big question now is whether the Matariki... Fireworks. Fireworks. Scheduled for Saturday, we'll go ahead. That's it. The yeah. whale in the harbour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, anyhow, um, another thing that happens in Wellington is the Parliament, and this week uh, the big news is the Kiwi Build lottery. Yes. So yes, Kiwi Build, Kiwi Build, where everyone gets a bargain, or maybe not. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> yes, maybe not. So yes, the Labour-led government has um, launched Kiwi Build scheme this week uh, and this is uh, aimed at tackling the housing crisis and, and this government does actually use the term housing crisis as, mm. as opposed to there just being a housing problem as the previous national led government uh, uh, framed it. So with the system, um, it's a lottery system basically yep. uh, if you meet the criteria uh, you can put your name in the ballot and if your name is drawn you have the option of buying a, um, a house uh, built um, with investment from the government and the private sector and you get to buy it at cost, so yeah. below uh, market value. So the big question is, is this going to solve the, solve the housing crisis? And the answer is a flat out no, but it will allow a certain sector of the population uh, to to be able to buy houses at an affordable price. Uh, people in the population that possibly at the moment are cut out. Now, is this going to be the poorest sector of society or um, working people on low income? The argument is no, that this, the way that this um, system is being formulated, that it will most likely target middle-income people and upper-income people. Mm. And let's remember, middle-income people as well uh, are affected by the housing crisis. Mm. Um, houses are the expensive in New Zealand, and there's, there's a, a real lack of them. Um, so, uh, but, um, yeah, the, the question is, if this scheme isn't going to address lower-income people, uh, um, uh, then uh, what other schemes are needed to put in place to supplement this Kiwi Build scheme? What one of the questions that I find is like, where are you going to build these houses? Because uh, I believe that National had a plan to build and insert a number of houses in Auckland, which is. Uh, fine, that's our major metropolitan centre, and looking for housing in Auckland is the worst. Um, but, like, what about families in Dunedin? What about families in Invercargill, Milton, Nelson? You know, it, it seems uh, a great idea, but I wonder how they're going to put it into practice. 
I think they will. Uh, this Kiwi Build um, uh, policy will lead to more houses being built, mm. um, and it will lead to um, people, um, certain sectors, I said, being able to afford uh, houses. Um, so the government has committed to putting so much capital, uh, and also, of course, um, uh, um, uh, there's a reliance on, on banks coming in and, and basically providing people with mortgages. So that's mm. one of the flaws in this policy, that basically um, people have to uh, be able to um, meet the requirements from private banks that are yeah. run for profit uh, to get a mortgage to be able to actually enter this, this lottery. Um, and secondly, low-income people with no capital, uh, no savings, uh, mm. are highly unlikely to get a loan uh, from a private bank. So it's more likely to be middle-income people with a, a bit of savings that banks see are not a risk uh, um, and uh, are more likely to get mortgages. So it's biased. The system is definitely biased to middle-income people. Mm. Uh, so that's a, a flaw in this game. Are there any merits to it? Um, I mean, I think John's absolutely right. This, um, you know, the, the merit of this is that um, the state is acting to intervene in the housing crisis and to um, try and alter the market. You know, the previous government just left it up to the private market to provide, and it didn't provide um, affordable housing. It, it, it's obviously its profit margins were in the high cost housing, so that's where investment in building and development went. Um, so it will definitely increase supply. Um, 650,000, 550,000, it's still huge amounts of money, mm. but in cities like Auckland and Wellington, you know, that is still on, it is becoming, it, it will be more affordable than without it. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, but having said that, you know, um, I think the flaw in it is that it doesn't, you know, I mean, what we need a radically different housing approach to housing. I, I would like to see, you know, tens of thousands of state houses built. Um, with possibly with universal access, but that enabled people on low incomes to live in high quality, um, secure uh, rental housing. I mean, it doesn't. This whole model of private ownership, I think, is I, I think needs to be challenged. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, with being in a rental home if it's affordable and it's high quality and it's secure and it's close to your work and close to your community and um, any other. You know, you, you can if you want to build savings for retirement you can put them in other areas but you know i think this the problem with kiwi build is it perpetuates this this reliance on private ownership and this reliance on our um, retirement security being all tied up within in our housing um, and i think obviously as john has said it doesn't it won't address um, the housing crisis for people on the lowest incomes which is where obviously the state should be putting a lot more emphasis. I mean, I think it's good. Uh, I'm personally in favour of universal provision, so I, I'm, you know, I, I accept the threshold that they've put in place. Um, but I think for those in the most need, this is not, um, it's not going to be the silver bullet. Well, so what alternative schemes could be put in place to make housing more affordable for well, all? Well, we should be having a mass investment in state housing. I mean, this, this government is going to increase state housing. But, but we're we, only talking we just sold them all off. 2000. We don't um, need yeah, state we houses. We actually need masses of state housing, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. I mean, I guess I see there's a... There's several arguments here that, um, yes, it's very clear that the market isn't working to, to make houses affordable for everyone 
everyone. Uh, and this government is clearly giving the signal that it still thinks the market is, is the main mechanism uh, for house supply. Uh, it will intervene to a small degree, and it's actually arguing almost a trickle-down effect, that by intervening to a small degree, that will uh, increase the stock of houses on the market, and that will lead to a, a gradual lowering of the price of houses overall, which will then make it more affordable for lower-income people. Maybe trickle-down will work to some degree, but um, generally that sort of whole trickle-down theory has been uh, highly critiqued <laughs> as of late. Um, the problem I have is that with the traditional sort of social democratic state-centred solution, is that you can uh, you, you be very careful what you wish for uh, when centralised states uh, um, uh, build up huge bureaucracies to manage housing stocks uh, for low income people for example um, often the state becomes a slum landlord uh, and so we know all the problems with the, the housing projects in America mm. uh, the, the, um, the building of uh, a sort of a state housing ghettos in New Zealand uh, where you have um, low quality houses that architecturally uh, are, are quite of quite a poor quality mm. um, and so I think there's problems with the state-centred solution, the traditional state-centred solution to the housing problem as well. Of course, um, a state-centred solution building affordable housing and apartments does um, partly solve that problem of a housing crisis, mm. uh, but the, there's other problems that go along with that. So. Um, I think we need to have a more wider discussion where the general population has an input, a democratic input, into if the state is to uh, build uh, uh, affordable housing in a mass um, way, that we ordinary people actually have an input into the type of houses that are built, uh, where they are built, uh, what our uh, relationship is with the state, who is our landlord, um, because there are dangers with a state-centred approach as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. The state doesn't have to necessarily own it, but the state is the best place to be able to raise low-cost capital um, in a way that the community sector and uh, local government can't. So even if it's not owned and run by the state, the state really has to step up. It's, it is the lowest way of raising capital, is by the state providing it. And if it then wants to shift into cooperative hands or community collectives, that's, you know, that's a, as you say, a matter for communities. But I think the state can't sit back, as the previous government did, and said, off you go, community sector, to raise the money, because that's where it failed. The community sector finds it very difficult to be able to raise that kind of, you know, the millions of dollars, billions of dollars that you need to, to buy land and um, build housing. So I, um, you know, I think you're absolutely right that we don't want a kind of monolithic state model. Um, we want um, some kind of model which um, embraces modern design and town planning and um, architectural um, principles and it values. It has a significant well as, democratic as, as input people. as well. And, and people deciding where they should be and the kind of housing they want. Um, but I think it really is incumbent and the most efficient and effective way of raising capital is for the state to, to, to borrow it at low cost, which it can do. And I think that's one of the key problems that at the centre, the core of the this crisis is that we still have a government who's unwilling to raise sufficient debt to be able to tackle the infrastructure problems that we have. Um, you know, we're still very fixed with this, this neoliberal um, fiscal framework that um, <laughs> requires the government, well, the government self-imposed requirements that it won't raise um, sufficient debt to be able to, um, to invest in infrastructure. 
Right. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Um, shit, I've just seen the time. Um, quickly talk uh, uh, about um, cocktail waitress now turned... Uh, is she already a congresswoman, or no, is she a congresswoman no. she won elect? The, she won, she the, won the, primary, the primary, so she still has to stand against a, yeah. a, a Republican candidate. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's very, it's, it's very much um, a, a Democrat um, um, electorate that she's yeah. in, so she's more than likely to win. Right. Uh, I think it's so amazing that she won over uh, ba- white male baby boomer. Yeah, so th- this is... Um, uh, uh, a, a young Latina Democratic Socialist uh, who stood under the Democratic uh, ticket, um, the, uh, her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, she stood against a, um, a, a long-term uh, Democratic congressman uh, who's on the right of the Democratic Party, who was seen as one of the top three uh, Democratic um, politicians yeah, within t- the party. T- t- to replace Pelosi. Yeah, as Speaker of the House. Uh, so this is astounding. Uh, not as only is it astounding that he was bet by anyone, uh, but that he was bet by uh, a, a woman standing on a firm left-wing platform who uh, repeatedly uh, said that um, we need to bring the issues of class, the, the, the perspective of working-class people, which you use that term, working-class mm. people, uh, into the centre of politics. Uh, she's also a member of um, uh, the, the Democratic Socialists of America. Um, um, so... I think this this represents a, a fundamental shift in, in in politics in in the in the Western world at least in the right. Anglo Western world that that suddenly after decades of not only class politics being seen as irrelevant but the the whole concept of the working class was often dismissed by many people as being of a bygone age in this post industrial yeah. period we don't have working class people anymore anymore I sort of felt that. Yeah, it was, or or maybe everyone was working working class. We've industrialised. The eighties are over. Uh, it's it's fine now. And, and it's Everything's egalitarian. She's doing a very similar uh, thing to Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party in Britain, in that she's. Uh, <laughs> She's, I guess she's reframing the whole idea of what it means to be a working class person. That doesn't just be, mean having a cloth hat, going down in a mine, uh, um, and uh, being that sort of traditional blue collar working yeah, class person. Yeah, I always think person. of one of those brown dust coats. Exactly. That she's talking about teachers. She's talking about nurses. Uh, she's talking about uh, people in the hospitality industry. Um, and, and Jeremy Corbyn's doing very much the same thing. He's saying, well, actually. Um, um, the working class are the majority of society. Uh, we are a party for the many, not the few. Uh, the working class is a diverse, represents a diverse range of ethnicities, religions, people in different workplaces. But but there's something in common. There's some that this is a unifying framework that uh, that that people who don't own capital, who don't own businesses, uh, who are not at the top of society. Uh, even whether they're a nurse or or a teacher or working in a factory or working in McDonald's, there's actually something in common mm. between them, and 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 that a political force like the Labour Party can represent those people as a whole. Now, there's a whole lot of problems with those arguments, but it's interesting that that type of talk we haven't seen for decades, and so it, to me it represents a radical shift in discourse. Mm. Uh, what about the the class politics in New Zealand? Because we love to hold ourselves as as egalitarian. Is there 
a rise of that, do you think? What do you think, Sarah? Not from mainstream, I mean, sure, um, you know, the language of um, equality and a fair go and um, an awareness of wealth and income inequality is part of mainstream. It was part of the Labour Party's um, discourse here. Um, as I said, I don't think yet we've seen any radical representation of that through policy changes. Um, mm. There's an interesting amount of industrial activity at the moment. Yesterday I was at a picket on Lambton Quay outside Farmers. Um, staff, workers at Farmers are going on strike over their appalling wage conditions. Um, so that was, you know, really interesting. Um, we've got, in the PSA, we've got members going on strike next week. Uh, I think, you know, there is an increasing frustration with the low-wage economy that we have um, and for for working people that, um, and the working classes, the, the you know the toughness of life um, with you know pretty much wage freezes over the last uh, twenty years really, um, and you know rampant housing inflation. So uh, I'm hopeful that um, there are stirrings among the working class, but I'm not sure we've got kind of the radical kind of um, discourse at that kind of political party level that you may see in. Um, in the UK or with um, this new um, Democratic Party candidate. Do you think that's uh, because of the the difference in the level of inequality or are we just sleepy little hobbits who don't want to rock the boat? I think it's a lack of I mean, political leadership right, okay. in this country. That, um, if you look at surveys, uh, people are very despondent about our political system, our economic mm. system. A, a majority of people think that the whole political system is stacked against them and benefits uh, people at the top level of society. The, the, these are mainstream surveys that have been done in New Zealand. But we're not seeing the political leadership that's actually saying, well, there's actually an alternative to this market-driven system. Uh, the, the, the alternatives that can can actually make a real dent in, in terms of inequality and make people's lives better. So we're seeing that with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She took a real risk mm. and um, she devoted a year to campaigning um, and she took on uh, one of the most powerful individuals in the um, Democratic Party machine in America and she won with a relatively radical program. Now you could argue, um, can the Democrats actually ever bring about real change in America? So that's a whole other argument, but nonetheless she's changing the discourse Jeremy Corbyn is doing that in England as well. Um, the Labour, yeah. Labour Party here, even uh, the Greens sorry. here, aren't prepared to step without, outside the perimeters of what is seen as acceptable orthodox economics. And they're not, they're not prepared to uh, ruffle feathers to the degree of, say, getting business offside, getting corporations offside, getting uh, political elites offside. So, um, yeah, the political leaders here are just too cautious. I think there is, you know, the UK does have, the the discourse of class has, has been common in the UK for a long time. I think in New Zealand we are reluctant to talk about class. Um, you know, we like to see that we're all kind of mates and that we're all, everyone has a fair go and this kind of this egalitarian myth um, that, you know, your boss is your mate and he'll look or she will look after you. I think... We're still a bit reluctant to um, identify <laughs> class difference and label class difference, and really understand that there is, you know, a fundamental um, class um, framework that underpins our economic inequalities and our economic structures. So I, I think New Zealand is a little bit 
less evolved in the UK and possibly um, the States in terms of identifying and talking about class? What do you think, John? Well, if you look at America, America's always promoted itself as a classless society. It's never yeah. had a, um, a a working class mainstream party. So in countries like New Zealand, we, you know, the Labour Party would stand up as a working class union centred party. America's never had a mainstream working class Labour Party. Um, what it takes, I think, is 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 especially young people with guts who are prepared to to tell establishment figures, even if those establishment figures pre- um, present themselves as progressive uh, and, and, um, and, and for disenfranchised people, uh, to actually take guts and take them on and say that you are part of the problem. In a sense, you're part of the enemy, and so there's a lot of left-wing, young left-wing people out there who are despondent about this Labour government. They don't think it's doing enough, uh, but they're, they're, they're tied in with um, with unions and with uh, civil organisations, or they're working within uh, the Labour Party or the Green Party. And th- there's a fear of really saying, "Hey, uh, th- this Labour government isn't doing enough, or it's part of the problem. Uh, it's part of the establishment." And I think uh, so. I think. You do have this layer of young leaders in New Zealand who could start pushing out really radical ideas and are uh, very critical, but it, it means that you actually have to be a bit more bold uh, and daring and, and do the type of things that, say, uh, some of these young radical left-wing people are doing in America. Try to actually radically change the whole discourse and, and conversation in society. Mm. Uh, we've got to leave it there, running out of time. Thank you very much, uh, Sarah and Wellington and John in studio. You're listening to radio.